welcome to Bound by Books. I am one of your hosts, writer Danielle Bannister, and I'm joined today by fellow writer Tita Moss. Welcome, hey. Tita. Hello, how are you, Danielle? I am doing fantabulous today. How about awesome. you? Awesome. I'm doing okay. I think the day of this broadcast, Aliens Temptation might be coming out or very close to, very Ooh, close to release. Yay. So that's book three in the series. You're I'm super excited. Yay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going strong, going strong. <laughs> I, I have now? to say, I have to say, I mm -hmm. have, uh, I'm, I'm this probably this close from finishing um, Aliens Captive. I, I have I have an issue where I read at night because uh -huh. I think that that's my most productive time to read and I read for like a minute or two and then I go and then you're out tired yep yep so I have to, I have to like not read at night so I've just got to find another place but mm -hmm. I'm just gonna say this one thing mm -hmm. it vibrates <laughs> Danielle and and you know written for her pleasure basically <laughs> it does right, that's, that's that's all I had to say that, that should sell it right there there right? you go vibrating aliens <laughs> uh, we'll just you know <laughs> that's the review <laughs> vibrating aliens I I kind of want to put that now as like you know the tagline <laughs> forget the series name the series name is now vibrating yeah. aliens done it's I will be I will be able to put curious about aliens. <laughs> it vibrates. Oh my god, you're too funny. Oh, I guess I'm a little punchy today. All right, where's volume three for you? When does that come out? Volume three is coming out in early August. So, Ooh, so soon. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm I'm actually writing volume four right now, so I'm trying to like nice. be ahead of myself. Um, and then there will be a little lull. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm planning on releasing another novel that's been very, very patiently waiting its turn okay. to be released. Which one is that? Uh, that one is, uh, I haven't actually released the title or any oh, of that boo. stuff. I, haven't done, <laughs> I, have, I like to do it with a cover reveal. I'm weird okay. that way. Um, but this one is a book that I wrote with a fellow local main playwright. Oh, nice. And he wrote the script that mm -hmm. the actors in this particular book are rehearsing. Oh, that's cool. So he wrote something very specific for mm -hmm. what I needed my characters to to do that the the, the the arc that they needed to learn. He that's awesome. He sort of wrote uh uh, uh so we we both got something out of of this collaboration, and I've been telling him it's coming out. I promise. I promise. <laughs> I promise. And I just keep pushing it off, pushing it off because <laughs> I had this series, and I so right. So nice. just to sort of appease that, get that done, that's going to happen. And then volumes uh, four and five will come out early next year. So there's a plan. I have a plan. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> it's, it's not the best plan, but it's a plan. Um, today, we are going to be talking about morally gray characters. Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean when it's our hero? Uh, the love interest, the antagonist, you know, whatever. If they're morally gray, mm -hmm. well, then I it. that's, <laughs> that's kind of uh, up for it. Um, but I guess I think before maybe we dive in too deep to this topic, 
I like to help to sort of define things so mm-hmm. that, you know, anybody who maybe is like, well, what the heck is a moral gray character? What does that mean? That they're, that they're pale and pasty? And <laughs> need <a little> gray skin. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> well, how would you describe what a morally gray character is? I actually think that morally gray characters are probably the most human. Because mm-hmm. if you think about like our classic hero or our classic villain it's very black and white thinking very all or nothing mentality so it's usually in the hero's journey story it's a very good upstanding chosen one usually from a uh disenfranchised background or poverty or some they're not usually the 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 character that's going to be automatically the hero out of the gate they've come from nothing essentially and rise in terms of being a hero but they're usually always good right they, they we're talking about classic at their core yes they're, yeah. they're they might do things that you might not agree with <laughs> that might be questionable questioning either ethically or legally or spiritually whatever it might be on the sort of a line but ultimately they are they are good. decent right they're all good or you have the on the flip side of that again the true classic hero model uh the all-powerful all strong all-encompassing just true good guys like not going to do any wrong type thing right there's kind of two captain america yeah but the very very black and white thinking this is it must always be this way for this is the only good way right this is or a very two-dimensional villain yes be it's all this you know it's so the gray is sort of Mm-hmm. in in the in the middle there there's some good there's some bad it's exactly <laughs> and i think when i think of classic like moral gray characters that i could draw from it and again use as an analogy because that's my favorite thing spike from buffy spike from <laughs> buffy <laughs> is my go. ultimate morally gray and some people will there say angel to an extent that angel just comes off as too good to me he's just so good he's just so <laughs> good he's so good all the time spike is not right <laughs> spike is very very morally gray right um, and and for those not familiar with the show, a morally gray character again is going to either do the wrong thing for the right reasons or the right thing for the wrong reasons. There is no black and white thinking. There is no this is this is the only way. This is the righteous path, or this is all evil and this is bad intentions. And usually, um, morally gray characters are very appealing because they are so three dimensional. Because we. We, there's a part of us that can understand where they're coming from, especially if the writing is good. Right. A- another good example might be Lucifer. Mm-hmm. The literal devil. <laughs> it was supposed is to be. a morally great character. <laughs> because right. sometimes you agree with him. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you would think a character like Lucifer would be all evil. Mm-hmm. It's the devil. <laughs> but if you write it different, you get a morally great character who is far more interesting and compelling and you want to read more, watch more, learn more to, to find out what makes them tick. Exactly. I think that's, that's something that that's human in us is that we want to understand how people think. We want to understand why people do things what, when they do things. And if we can sort of figure it out, we can have empathy for them and we can, mm-hmm. you know, relate to them. But if they're all one thing or another, then it's very hard to relate. It's very hard to relate, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not all one or another. We're 
we're a diverse exactly. <laughs> a diverse people exactly so is there in, in maybe a, 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 a well, you, you mentioned one but are there others that you can think of maybe in a book or maybe even one that you've written mm. that you would consider morally gray and sort of what makes definitely either what makes them morally gray to you or what readers might think make them morally gray yeah so the biggest morally gray character I have would be in a touch of darkness that I wrote with my my co-author many years ago um that book it plays on the idea of humanity angels demons fallen angels so some of those mythos but the evilest quote-unquote characters in the book are actually the humans (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the morally cray character is the the bad guy um who it's hard to go into without you know giving away all right. of the plot but right, essentially right, right, right. he was the most fun to write because he did <laughs> all of these quote unquote evil things bad things you know for a really essentially noble reason right and it had to do with his daughter and taking care of his daughter and making sure that she was okay um, in his mind, whatever that meant. Sometimes right. that, that right. means different things and they're not right. always, it's a great things, but yeah, that was a definite example. The sci-fi series that I'm writing now is not so much morally gray, the, but my aliens do uh, lose their emotions, which can create this gray area, right? Sure. And they're technically the good guys and they, they come at it from a good perspective, but there are instances where you're like, Hmm, I'm not so sure about that. The <laughs> motives might be good, but the, the actions right. are questionable. So right. I think there's a lot of room when creating morally gray characters, just like there's so many shades of gray hence, and, and not the book. Uh, <laughs> there's so many shades of gray. You can kind of have this, a range of different morally gray characters. What about you? Have you written I know you have, but <laughs> which ones? Are- uh, yeah, probably the most uh, obvious example uh, would be Girl on Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people, I think, would categorize the the main character Sarah as as being morally gray because um, she happens to be a pyromaniac, and <laughs> you know <laughs> that's a little morally gray. A little gray. That's a little morally gray. Um, but I think that the things that humanize her is sort of the reasons why, right? That, mm-hmm. that what is happening that leads somebody to, to pyromania, what's going on in their lives to sort of not necessarily justify it, but to give you the, oh, mm-hmm. right, I get it. I might not do the same thing, but I'm, I get what you're, where you're doing. coming from. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, and then in that same story, there's also another character who, who is very all sort of, all sort of evil, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't ever get to dive in to that headspace. Um, I would want to dive into that headspace. <laughs> I don't want to dive into that headspace either. That's why I didn't write it. But, you know, I, I think that, th- that sometimes headspace like that, we, sometimes we just don't know the answers. Mm-hmm to why people do things, even if we want them, we never get to figure that out. So I'm like, I already have one sort of morally gray character. I don't, I didn't want to muddy the waters. I wanted this to be her story. 
Right. I didn't want it to be this other character's story. Mm -hmm. And so that I just kind of left off the page and you can create your own right <laughs> reasons or justifications or just leave it be as it is. Um, but I think that that sometimes too is you have to maybe be careful with how much morally gray characters you put because I think then yeah. you might lose some of that. That's a good point. Yeah. In a, in a touch of darkness, I, the character who's morally gray is juxtaposed to a character who it comes across as very evil, like not a lot of redeeming qualities. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think there is something to that, right? Because it's almost as if you could see by putting them against each other where one is morally gray and, and one is very clearly like evil uh, in the, you know, evil sense. <laughs> It, it makes the morally great character more empathetic. And that was yeah. kind of one of your questions. Like, how do you make morally great characters empathetic, right? Yeah. I think for you with Girl on Fire, um, she's extremely empathetic, extremely relatable right away, even though she's presented as a character that, you know, has a lot of experiences that hopefully these people, you know, most people haven't experienced some really, uh, traumatic events in her life but she comes across as so just like I feel everything she feels throughout the book which is a, which is a testament to you and your writing but how do you feel that in writing her or, or any characters that you have that are morally gray how do you make them empathetic how do you make the reader connect with them well I it's you have to you have to sort of dance in their headspace mm -hmm. and you have to be okay with putting the emotion on the page, even if it's unflattering, even if it, you know, might be too similar, maybe to just something that you're feeling or something you felt before. If it's true for the character, you've, you've got to let it live and breathe on the page, even if it might be uncomfortable. That was like huge thing writing mm. this book. This was the first time I had ever written anything sort of dark on mm -hmm. the page before up until then I had written very light romances <laughs> and rom-coms so this was a completely different for a long time I wasn't sure I could publish this book because it was so different to anything else that I had written I was mm -hmm. scared to write it I was like no this I, I can't write this this isn't this isn't what I do right <laughs> and if I had tried to you know write it before I was in my right lane I probably never would have written it but you know, it's one of those instances where I decided to let the character just, you go where you need to go and I'll follow and then we can edit it out later. But mm -hmm. I, I remember there was a, a very certain scene that happened and that's when I knew where the book was going. I went, oh, no, you want to go that way? No, <laughs> I can't go that way. Can I? Can I? And I, I just decided to just trust the book and let it mm -hmm. do its thing. And just to be honest with whatever this character is experiencing and not sort of filtering myself, mm -hmm. trying to get that, that inner editor out of the way and just right. let the character tell the yeah. story. So you focus a lot on authenticity to that character and presenting them in the most genuine and, and human way because let's face it humans are not black and white creatures we are very rarely you know all good or all evil we have a lot of uh facets to our personality so getting inside a character's head i mean that's one way to, i think to really connect a reader is if we can understand what the character is thinking we can connect and get in there and empathize so much quicker 
if we're allowed access in here, if we're mm-hmm. always like this at a standoff and we're never allowed inside, we're only hearing what the character does or seeing physically what they do, but we never get to hear what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. It makes it really hard to, to make that connection. Right. So you've got to be willing to open up the brain and <laughs> let's see what's inside. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that can be challenging. Yeah, for sure. Which is actually a good point. Do you think that morally gray characters have to be empathetic? Well, so here's, I'm also, uh, I'm also an actor. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think this, this, this ties into this playing a bad guy say is boring. (laughs) Playing a bad guy is boring. Mm -hmm. You have to, as the actor, the only way to make them interesting to play and interesting to watch is to make sure that the backstory, mm-hmm. even if it only exists in your mind, mm-hmm. validates the things that they're doing. They're okay. not evil just because they're evil. Right. They have a reason for doing the thing. Even if you never see it on the page or on the stage, there was a reason, there was a motivation. Mm-hmm. So I think that it comes down to yeah, there has to be empathy towards your morally gray characters, or you don't have a morally gray character, you have an all evil character. Yeah. So if your intent is to write a morally gray character, you also have to validate the reasons. They don't have to be white in their validation, (laughs) but you have to like, a prime example of this would be Joe from the series Mm -hmm. You. Mm -hmm. He is not a good human. Nope. He is not good human being and yet Yet. (laughs) we root for him we want him to succeed we don't want him to get caught it's true what because we see the validation from his Mm -hmm. point of view which is messed up it's not (laughs) right but because we can see the validation Mm -hmm. we're rooting for this psychopath yep so i mean yeah yeah. I think that there has to be some empathy there. Or at least I think, some validation. I think it's even at, so I, I love the show you. If you haven't watched you, I mean, what are you doing with your life? You you need to. You need so to good. watch it. But no, it's so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's good. Exactly. But before that, of course, we had Dexter, right? And oh. I always compare Dexter and you because it's so it's a similar premise it's a similar storyline the difference for me is Dexter's moral morally gray his moral compass Mm -hmm. essentially was skewed right so his father and if you haven't watched Dexter by now I'm sorry I can't give you spoilers (laughs) for Dexter it's been a while but his father essentially you know put that moral compass that was skewed onto a path that could be understood right not saying it's right not saying that the things he did were right but he did it to be like essentially he became like a vigilante he became someone who was going to get rid of these bad people um so you understood that even a little more than you do with joe and you because joe 
his moral compass isn't skewed. He doesn't have a moral right. compass. Right. His worldview is is completely yeah. off base. Right. Now, of course, he has reasons for everything he does and motivations. And you're like, oh, okay, I could see where you're coming from. And then you're catching yourself like, wait a minute, no, I can't. What are you talking about? You're you're insane. Like that's insane, right? Exactly. So I think it takes it takes De- where Dexter started to an even further extreme of like. This yeah. is a this is a clearly warped worldview. How are we going to make people buy into this and empathize yeah. with him? Yeah. And 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 you, you're in his head. Yes. A lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. So you know what he's thinking all the time. And mm-hmm. that only endears you to him more. <laughs> Why do I like you? Right. I think it's also this idea of where with Dexter, it it came from this like impulsive drive, this this almost primal need to have to act in this way. And then it was just the action was put on a criminal and put on a put on a bad guy. So it was essentially vigilantism. Whereas with with Joe in you, it's from this like but he does it because he loves them because he's a romantic at heart. And he's, you know, he reads all the time because I mean, what book lover doesn't love a guy who is going to read and, and know really great books, you know what I'm saying? Um, So there's almost this romantic quality to Joe. That's, you know, the classic kind of hero or better yet. He's actually, he's not an alpha male at all. He's actually very beta and then all of a sudden comes out with these like very alpha-esque actions. So there's there's some type of appeal to that, right? There's some type of primal appeal to that from a, you know, if you're attracted to, to right. the classical male hero, there's something right. to that. Um, so I think his, his moral ambiguity is even more appealing in the specifically the romance writer sense, right? Whereas Dexter is probably more psychological thriller yeah. you is very much like oh this is weirdly romantic <laughs> it, yeah it's definitely got the subgenre of romance in there it's absolutely yeah, yeah. Like, so that, that, that's, that's an interesting all right so an interesting segue yeah. um, especially when, when thinking about you um do morally gray characters such as joe mm-hmm. is there a line that they cross and you go okay that's it. I'm out. I can't vote for you anymore. We're done here. Or is it as long as it's justified, as long as we understand your motivations, I'm in for the ride? I mean, I hope there's a line because otherwise, what does that say about me? (laughs) So far, there hasn't been with the U series. And that worries me. I really hope there's a line. Uh, I I would think the the big uh, triggers that would trigger most people that most people would be like, oh my god, that's a trigger warning. Um, right. You know, any type of child abuse, or, right, right, right. You know, right, extreme right, right. Yeah. kind of things, right. Where you go, okay, there it is. That's the line. Right. And I that's think they're line. they're very good at like sometimes putting a little toe on that line or being yeah. very close to things that yeah. would be considered out there. Um, and then pulling back and then being like, no, 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 ha gotcha. That's, that's not how we're going to go. <laughs> now, Joe, don't you yeah. know him by now? Oh, Joe would never. <laughs> it's, it's quite a brilliantly written character. It is. Just from a, it's just how, 
how do you root for somebody so awful? It's yeah. Just, if if well, you ever want a masterclass in morally great characters. Oh my God. But that's a great right question there. too. Like, what is this attraction to morally great characters? Like, why do we want to root for them? Why, why are we sitting here watching somebody who's essentially a psychopath or, or a sociopath? I forget which one, but he's definitely one of them. Why are we rooting for him? Why are we I going? Think yes. I think it's sociopath. I think sociopath because they can socialize and interact. Yes, and be yes, normal. yes. I think, I think that's right. what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you the answer. You won't like it. <laughs> but I'll tell you the answer. It's because we think we can fix them. <laughs> oh, now we're getting deep, Danielle. We it might be a whole other podcast. Them, we can care. We can. We can. We can make it better. We can they, fix the they just They just haven't met us yet. <laughs> oh boy. That's going deep into my psyche today. That's going deep. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. It's it's the same attraction to, you know, uh, an alpha bad boy or why bully romance is an extremely popular subgenre. Absolutely. There's something to that appeal of like, he's like this for everyone but me. But me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a thing. It is. It's it's not just a trope. It's a thing. (laughs) Oh, so, okay, man. so what is the difference then between a morally gray character and mm-hmm. a morally bankrupt character? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I think for me, maybe that the definition would be that, that there is no redemption. That, yes. That, that they are not interested in redemption. They don't want, valid, they, they are, the, the compass is gone. The compass has left the building. There, there is, it's a self-serving, uh, only thinking about themselves sort of mm-hmm. thing. And well, let's take, let's take a, for instance, then, because we're both, uh, you know, Marvel geeks and we, we can't go a podcast without talking about something. No, we Marvel. Can't. No, um, <laughs> Thanos, Thanos for me is hugely morally gray where some people will just say, Oh no, he's just an evil character. No, no, no he's morally I think gray. Absolutely. Morally gray. huge. Because yeah. his motivations are essentially self-sacrificing. He is, yeah. He's giving up, you know, the things that are most important to him, his life and his livelihood to go do this thing that he believes is going to benefit the universe. Yes, it's wiping out half the population, right. but there's reasons. Right. You know, there's reasons. Right. It doesn't have to be right, <laughs> but there's a reason. Exactly. And in right. his mind, it's a reason that is so justified that yeah. he's willing to make these major sacrifices because let's, let's not discount that he goes through some pretty, uh, pretty intense stuff to get to his end goal. So yeah. I think in that sense, that moral bankruptcy, but here's the kicker, right? He doesn't want redemption because he believes in his cause. He believes that he's right. Even you know, at the end, when he's when he's meeting the consequences of his actions, he's still 100 percent all in with his yeah, point of view. Absolutely. So is he morally bankrupt? No, I think he is moral gray because he he has beliefs and he's he's going with them. But he has reasons. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, yeah. though. Because there is there is no redemption arc for him, or not one that's written yet in the MCU. No. Maybe someday, but there, there, there is, is no a what if. <laughs> you watch what if. There's a you little, get to what if. little nod to it. Uh, I don't know if it's redemption, but it, it it's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a who would a morally gray, a morally bankrupt character. Oh, I be? think I got one. Yeah. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter, I would say, sure. is morally bankrupt. He he again can come off morally gray, and we're talking someone who is definitely the the pinnacle of evil in a moral society, right? right? He he kills people and he eats right. Them. Like what could right. be more morally you know right. corrupt than that? The bankrupt, is, I think, comes apart as in terms of instead of the morally gray, is that his his reasons are questionable and changeable. So his motivations are not always the same. And his like he's he's not like Dexter. He's not just killing off the bad guys. He's right. not doing this just for Clarice, although that's that's something that he's said before in, in the books and in the movie. Uh, but it's clear that he, that's not his reason. So there's a disconnect between what we're presented as his motivation what his motivations are and the the changing nature of them so he's not sticking to any code there is no code and yet that character who is morally bankrupt is still a compelling Mm. character right so it's not that if you have a morally bankrupt character, they can't be an engaging character and somebody that you're both horrified to be reading about and yet can't turn away from. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's a very thin line between writing a morally bankrupt character and a two-dimensional mm-hmm. evil character. Well, I'll give you an example, two-dimensional evil character, um, Emperor Palpatine. And I don't care if Star Wars, I'm a Star Wars fan. I don't care if you come for me for that. Yeah, it, I would there agree is nothing. that. Yeah. There's sure. nothing there to make him three-dimensional or morally gray. In my mind, he's just evil. Right, right. And pretty and, and that, I think that comes down to, and, and I don't know, maybe it's different in the, the books and the source Might material, be. but but mm-hmm. in terms of what we've seen, there's been nothing written to give him anything except for evil lines, evil actions. Mm-hmm. There's no sort of back history, backstory, nothing. So I guess I guess that's sort of what you should be careful of when you're writing is that if you're writing a an, an evil character, which is, there's nothing wrong with writing an evil character, just make sure that they're not flat, that you're giving them some of those substance i think if you're writing an evil character the evil character still needs to have motivations and goals and and reasons and justification for what they do they don't have to be morally gray in the sense that you're like oh you feel a little bit of empathy for them or oh you could see where they're coming from they could be a completely warped worldview but there has to be some type of reason for their actions. And I know with Emperor Palpatine, people will be like, well, yeah, it was to gain power or whatever. Yeah, but it's boring. It's it's very right. like flat. There's not a lot of depth to the reasons for gaining power, right? right. And it doesn't like, have- Why to- did he want to gain power? What right. were his motivations to gain power? Was right. he, you know, as a child and, and yelled at by his parents for never succeeding or whatever? Give us something, you right. know? Give us a motivation. And it it doesn't even need to be like, because that could essentially make them morally gray then, right? Because now we we empathize with their traumatic background and we understand where they're coming from. It doesn't even have to be that. It can be, you know, a a different type of reason. Like maybe they're born a narcissist. Maybe there are some type of other underlying factors that are 
that are motivating them to do this. But there has to be something. It can't just be like, well, I'm evil and therefore I want power. Right. Right. That's boring. Right. Right. It's boring to read. It's boring to write, honestly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's boring to watch. <laughs> it's just boring. It's boring so, all the way. Yeah. <laughs> avoid boring in your writing. <laughs> Pro tips. <laughs> Pro tip. Avoid boring. Don't be boring. If it's boring to you <laughs> when you're writing it, it's going to be boring for the reader. Yeah. And I think the most interesting morally gray characters are the heroes. I think when a hero is morally gray, it just makes everything more interesting because you're in that that person's headspace, right? You're you're taking on this this journey, what is essentially the hero's journey. And when they're that person is morally gray, or sometimes the unreliable narrator, they're called, right? But when that person is morally gray, it just makes it gives you a different lens to view things through. And it could be, it could be a like, you know, a, a pretty darkly colored lens, let's right. say, right. but it's interesting. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've got your morally gray character as sort of the love interest in, in your romance, mm-hmm. the only way you're going to get a peek into their head, if it's not a split point of view book, mm-hmm. is in what they say and what they do, mm-hmm. but never what's going on in here. And that's really oh, where love, the yeah. reader is going to connect is what are they thinking? Yeah, I would love what are their actions doing, but what do you think and again, I'm sorry, this is just Marvel geekdom going on, but I would love a film just all Thanos. Just give us all Thanos's point of view. We get a little bit of it, but like it's just all Thanos's point of view of you know just like creating that whole journey sure. to get to where he went. Oh man, that would be amazing. Something yeah. like that it, again. That because it's taking essentially the villain, quote unquote, and making them into the hero and telling their story from their point of view totally yeah. cool <laughs> well did we do I it think we might have exhausted the, the morally topic gray. of morally gray characters <laughs> now you know how to write them yeah right <laughs> exactly and tell us you know in the comments below on on youtube who is your favorite morally gray character it can be from your own writing or from a book or tv or movie that you love we'd love to hear about it and talk more with you We'll see you next time on Bound by Books. Yay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.